Alrighty. Um, as we begin today, we use the words of Howard Thurman uh, for our preparatory prayer. Let us pray. Lord, open unto me. Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confusion. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, open unto me. Amen. As we come to worship, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. The peace of Christ be with you. We're called to worship with the words of Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, if God had not been for us, when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. We've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. What happens when a soda pop goes flat? Or when a chip goes stale? Usually, we dispose of them. But what happens when life goes bad? Or a relationship goes stale? Or a choice blows up in our face? For all these eventualities, there is hope only through forgiveness and reconciliation. And so we pray. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The Lord gives, forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. Moreover, the Lord crowns you with love and mercy. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, and so let us live.
As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. O God, you declare your almighty power, chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace, that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The first lesson. The word of the Lord from Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson today comes from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 8, beginning at verse 38. Here Jesus addresses spiritual obstacles to obedience. Hear now the word of God. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon afterward speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, It would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worms never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This particular passage could very easily be three sermons. You could very easily divide it into three very powerful sermons. The first part being, of course, uh, do not uh, stop him for anyone Whoever is not against us is for us. 
is one tremendous message. And then, of course, there's the passage where Jesus talks about the stumbling block and the cutting off of our hands or our feet or taking out of our eyes rather than to submit uh, to temptation. The passage then concludes with Jesus talking about salt. And makes, he makes a very simple statement. Salt is good. And so you wonder, how is the flow of this? How is this all somehow tied together? Where is Jesus putting all of this such that if I were a hearer in the first group of hearers of these words, how would I relate all this? How would it make sense? Well, I think it's found in one very short phrase that we tend to overlook. It's a phrase that is kind of difficult to figure out because it deals with this whole thing of salt. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had stale salt. Uh, Has anyone experienced that before? Okay. One of the things that you have to realize about salt in this time, anyway, is that it was taken from the Dead Sea. And it was very possible for salt from the Dead Sea to become alkaline. And so it would lose its, its seasoning. But in that context, Jesus says this, everyone will be salted with fire. Now, he uses a future tense there, will be salted, very clearly in the Greek. What is he talking about? You will be salted with fire. Let's do a little biblical theology. Where does fire fit in with being a follower of Christ? Where do we see that? burning bush in the Old Testament with Moses. In the New Testament, where do we see fire? Who says that? Exactly, the burning tongues. Remember the painting on the wall that Pastor Esther did? Exactly. Jesus is talking about the coming of the Spirit. He's being very clear that when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be salted. And so salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how are you going to season it? And that's a rhetorical question, but it has tremendous spiritual significance. If somehow we come to a point in our lives where our life is not able to influence others, if our spiritual health is so poor that we can't give spiritual assistance to another, how do we get that back? What medical treatment can we get for a spiritual sickness? Where do we go to get re-seasoned again? Well, I think that then you begin to understand the other two parts of this passage. When they come to Jesus and say, someone's casting out demons, but he's not following us. And, you know, um, we tried to stop him. Jesus says to them, don't do that. Because if they're doing that in my name, truly, 
they're not going to be against us in the long run. And that, you see, is the first piece of how to get back this spiritual saltiness in our lives. So many times when we are not spiritually healthy, what do we tend to do? We tend to look outside of ourselves for other people. We tend to look for the other people who might be able to help us. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, anyone who does something in my name has got me. I'm active there. My name is who I am. I am. And if anyone is doing something in my name, I am actively present there. So how does one get back one's saltiness? One begins to do things in Jesus' name. One begins to minister to other people in the name of Jesus. Because you see, in using the name, in doing good to others, ministering to others in Jesus' name, then enables us to understand that the name bears upon us, dwells in us. In helping others, we become salt again. The seasoning comes back. The other piece of spiritual health is involved in the next passage, or the next part of this passage, about stumbling blocks. Stumbling blocks are things that make you stumble, that make you lose your footing, that perhaps hold you up or keep you back. And Jesus goes on to say, if you, if you need to, Cut off your hands or your feet or take out your eyes if somehow or other they hold you back from following me, from doing what you know is right and good, for ministering in my name. Now, I understand, and believe me, I actually had this happen. Um, This passage was a passage that was preached when I was in college at a week-long spiritual emphasis and we actually had a student attempt to pluck out his eye. Okay? I mean, it was a medical disaster um, because he was addicted to pornography. And he thought that maybe if he plucked out his eye, somehow or other, his desire for the pornography would go away and he would be cured. That is not what Jesus is trying to get at here. Jesus is not talking about the physical plucking out of an eyeball or the cutting off of a hand or a foot. These are rhetorical ways of saying what? Better to let go of the temptation. Better to let go of it. Better to cut it off than to allow it to come to fruition. Too many times when we are tempted, what is our what is our immediate response to being tempted? Yes, just go for it. But if you don't want to fall into sin, the immediate response to temptation can also be what? No. Exactly. What Jesus is saying here is something a little different. He's saying 
If you want the temptation to go away, you need to cut it off at the root. You need to cut it off where it's starting. Where does addiction, where does sin all begin? And your heart. Exactly. What are the ways that sin enters our minds? Through our eyes, through our ears, through our hands, through our feet. If we cut off those avenues to the temptation, the temptation doesn't lead us into sin. A very simple principle. When you are tempted at something, don't go to where the temptation is strongest. Don't play with it with your hands. Don't look at it until you can hardly stand it anymore or listen to it. Don't go there. The response that Jesus has is that when you are struggling spiritually and your spiritual life is in the doldrums because you've fallen into some kind of sinful pattern of thinking or being or doing or whatever, cut it off. Stop it. Let it go. There are some times when I have dealt with, especially young people, and I dealt with this a lot in terms of college students um, struggling with all kinds of relationship issues, especially, you know, the whole area of sexuality and relationships. And one of the things that happens is when you tell someone to stop doing it, okay, what typically is the response? Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think it's enough to say just stop it or cut it off. What I think Jesus is getting at in this verse is you've got to go into the temptation. You've got to ask yourself, what is it about this temptation that draws me in? What is it that attracts me to it? What is it about going to that website or saying those things or being at that place? What is it that draws me there? And whatever that draw is informs you about what you lack in relationship to God. Just a couple examples. If I'm drawn to alcohol, if I'm an addict, what does the alcohol do for me? Hmm? It comforts you. It gives you a sense of being in control or powerful or able to do what I'm not able to do on my own. So what is the draw? The desire for strength, courage. And where do we get that? From God. The answer to to any addiction in understanding what draws us to the temptation is to understand what we lack in our relationship with God. And so when Jesus says, salt is good, if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves. If someone says to you, he's worth his salt, 
What does that say to you in your head? What does that mean? Hmm? Dependable, solid, worthy of being trusted, right? You see, salt was a commodity of great value in the days of Jesus. People literally made business deals using salt rather than gold and silver. It was a very valuable entity, and it spelled great worth. What Jesus is asking is to have salt in ourselves. Enable yourself to see your worth. You are the dwelling place of the Most High God. How many of you have ever gone into a holy place, like a cathedral or a, a huge mosque or, or some kind of holy place and just had this real feeling of awe? No? Have you had that? Now, next time you look into a mirror, put yourself into the same frame of mind because in your body dwells the everlasting God. Your body, your physical body is the temple of the living God. And not only that, but when we gather together like this, all of us together are in fact the corporate temple of God. And so when we look at each other, when we listen to each other, when we talk to each other, when we share our gut with each other, we are in fact sharing God with each other. That's what makes this time holy. Not the liturgy, not the words, not the music, but the sharing of who we are together as temples of God. That's why I really enjoy the fact every time I talk to the Hispanic congregation and they refer to this place as the templo, el templo. In Spanish, that's the word they use for sanctuary. And I love that because it emphasizes the fact that when we're all together here, there's fire going on. There's fire in this room. There's enough fire in this room to set the world on fire. We simply have to use it. We simply have to be mindful of it. We simply have to ignite one another. Today, Jesus asked the rhetorical question of each of us. If salt has lost its saltiness, if in fact your spiritual life is in the doldrums and is not what it ought to be, how can you reseason it? By ministering to others and by seeking your deepest needs, not in things, not in any where or any place, but only in God. And then we become the salt of the earth. And wherever we are, and whoever we are, and whatever we do, becomes the work and the presence of God, God's self. Let's pray. So important it is, O oh Lord, for us to know who we are in order for us to overcome who we think we are.
so easy to believe that our desires and our drives define who we are instead of what you have said about us and what you have made us in Christ. Grant us the grace to remember these words and this concept in the days ahead as we face our own weaknesses and struggles and temptations. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Okay, I couldn't get to the microphone fast enough to ask you to remain standing, so I'm going to have to ask you to stand again. And let us use the words of the Apostles' Creed to confess our faith. Together saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God has poured out on us all good things, and our time together, when we remember the good things God gave us, are remembered in our giving of tokens of gifts and tithes and offerings to the work of Christ in our world and in our community. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. There are announcements in your bulletin that I think everyone can pick up on. Um, <clears throat> the uh, two things that I want to share with us uh, before we depart today um, First of all, I don't know how many of you know that Andres Ocampo uh, had done his medical exams and just found out this week that he's passed. And so I know several of you were, were praying for him. We're, we're grateful that God was faithful to his hard work. Also this morning, um, I found out that uh, Deanna's uncle passed away this past week. And so we want to pray for you, Deanna, and your family as they mourn his passing. And pray God's Holy Spirit will comfort you and strengthen you. Okay. Let's raise all these things to God in prayer as we close. Almighty God, we thank you for the way you 
hear our heart's cries in both our desperation as well as our exultation. We thank you for the success that Andres has had, and we ask that you bless his success with more success in dealing with and working for the well-being of others through the ministry of healing. We pray this morning, O Lord, for those families who are are grieving, who are struggling uh, with the loss of loved ones. And we thank you for the way you have laid them upon our hearts, and we ask, Lord God, uh, that you would console and strengthen and comfort, uh, that you would enable each of these families to find in you uh, all that they need. We pray, O Lord, for men and women and children and young people who struggle with suicide and suicide ideation. We ask, O Lord God, that you would be with them and and provide others who will help them and and, uh, come alongside of them through that experience and bring them to the light uh, of life, life abundant, uh, that you give to us through faith. We thank you, O Lord, for the opportunity to be your people today, to have gathered in this place, to have lifted your name up in praise and song, to have been fed by your word, and now, O Lord, to go in grace. As we leave this place where hearts lifted up to you, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us now until Jesus returns for us in glory and then forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let us go in peace and God go with us all.